ladies, welcome back to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser, and this week my guest is Magali Lamadrid. She is from New Jersey, and she helps ambitious women and high performers heal their past so they can transform to their next level with energy work and conscious living. Everybody, please welcome my guest, Magali. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity to come on and talk about my story and see how my story is probably very similar to many women. And I guess I want to start by talking about my journey and where it began, you know, as far as I can remember. So my journey began as a child. I, I come from a household where there was abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse, It all stemmed from addiction that we were not allowed to talk about. So, you know, I I recall being, you know, there's, you know, when you go through trauma, when you go through things, you kind of forget a lot of things. You only remember a few things that, you know, that are so important in your healing, but there's a lot of things that you kind of shut out. But what I can remember is, again, like I said, there was a lot of emotional abuse, physical abuse between my parents. You know, I love my parents. And but they didn't know any better. I'm sure their way of being was a result of the way they were brought up. Unfortunately, they came here from another country and they came here with nothing and they pretty much set out to improve, well, set out to kind of just bring us along this journey of theirs to do something better for themselves and us. And in the process, again, because of what they've been through, we kind of saw a lot of things that affected us, that affected us completely. So, I mean, I remember being a child and I I talk about this often, not too often, but it's like, you know, just to kind of let people be aware of what's out there and how, who I am today is nothing like how I was before. But I just remember, I have little memories of being a child and playing with my Barbies and all my Barbies had were abuse, like, you know, physical abuse, like, you know, there were bruises and black eyes, you know, so I went through that again, I'm not going to take you too much far into that because, but, but, you know, that's just a little gist of what I saw. But, um, as I grew older, right, we weren't allowed to talk about anything. So, you know, there was one day there was fighting, there was a physical fighting. There was a lot of things that were said, but then the next day it was like, you weren't allowed to talk about it. It's like, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Everything was perfect. You know, the world could not, who cares? The world cannot know what you're going through. You know, you're fed, you have a good house because my parents did, you know, well, quote unquote, you know, they did take the uh, go from not having any money to having the American dream with the house, with the family or whatnot. But again, behind closed doors, there was all this fighting, all this chaos. So, you know, what country were your parents from? My parents were from Peru, are from Peru are from Peru. So like in, in their culture, you know, it's normalized, you know, like I'm Mexican, so it's normalized to have a chaotic, you know, the drama, like they even glorify it in the telenovelas, you know, to have all that chaos, all that drama, but like, then you go outside of your door and you have to be perfect. Exactly. Absolutely. No. And I, I completely agree. And you know, it's, it's, it's kind of acceptable. I hate to say it, but you know, it's like, oh, okay. So, you know, you, you got, you you know, there was hitting, okay. Who, who cares? You know, so it's just like, but then, but then you go outdoors and you don't talk about that because you're not allowed to, right? Because it's forbidden because growing up in a, in a Hispanic household, you, you know, your, your family, you have to honor your family. You have to honor your mother and father. So you cannot dare to speak about 
what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. And they don't, they don't really see it as anything bad because like you said, they grew up with their parents probably doing the same thing to them. It was like a cycle of abuse and we didn't realize it until, you know, you come to America and you see other families and you're like, wait a minute, not everybody's doing this. And that's when you're just kind of like, okay, am I the only one? But yet, like you said, you can't talk about it because you have to honor your mother and father. Absolutely. Exactly. So, you know, years later, I mean, the way I internalized, well, I internalized everything. You know, it was, I, it was myself. I was the, I'm the youngest of three, myself, my sister, and my brother. We all handled this differently where as a teenager, you know, I wanted to protect my mother from what was going on, but yet I couldn't because my mother, well, I mean, besides the fact that I was a child, but my mother, you know, was just like, you know, you have to honor your father. And I'm like, but yesterday he did this to you. And she's like, well, no, you know, she's like, well, you're disrespectful. You cannot, you cannot be disrespectful towards your father. So I internalized a lot of anger, a lot of sadness, and I became very depressed in my teen years, angry and depressed. So you never told anyone outside of the family, like not a best friend or a boyfriend, maybe? In my teen years, no, I did not tell anyone. I didn't tell my friends. We were all kind of like, it's kind of normal to get hit. Now here I am being a 40. I'm like, okay, and having my own children, hitting the way we were hit is not healthy. (laughs) It's toxic. Right. Can you imagine? Do you imagine like, there's no way I would have ever hit my kid the way my mom hit me. You know, like I think about those things too. Like it's just, and it was funny because it's not just the way they hit you but also how everyone who watched it or, you know, didn't say anything because it was normalized. Exactly. So between me and my friends, we would compare stories of our bruises, you know, like how we got hit. And even as I talk about it today, it still feels uncomfortable to talk about it, which is crazy, right? Because it's such a deep conditioning. So yeah, so that was my journey in my teen years. I became very depressed, very angry, you know, at school, it, it affected me physically where I was always tired. So I was always the one sleeping in class, although I had phenomenal grades. I have no idea how, but I still, I couldn't keep up with staying up and being alert. I didn't participate in activities. I was an A student, but it was just people, some teachers could tell something was off. Something was wrong. I got into a lot of fights, actual physical fights. It was crazy because to me, looking back, that was normal. You know, there was no talking. You just fight. It was, it's, it's, you know, it was a combination of the way I was raised and the environment I was in, right? Because of the town I was from. Yeah. Well, when we watch adults fighting, physically fighting and laying hands on each other, we think, well, that's how you resolve matters. Yes. You're taught to believe that that's the way. Yes. You know, so then, you know, I get to my twenties and I fall into a deeper depression because then that's when I start to fall in love, quote unquote, but (laughs) right. Yeah. I know where this is going. (laughs) Exactly. Right. You fall in love, but remember your normal is far from normal. So for me, love meant being in love with someone that was very toxic, you know, and I realized that I was repeating the patterns of my childhood. And because I didn't get the emotional needs met as a child, I just poured all my love in, or all my quote unquote love into a toxic person, which of course I didn't get any love back. And I felt really hard into a depression after that. How long did you stay in that relationship? I actually, I had my daughter when I was 19. And right after I had my daughter, I realized, okay, this is my father. I can't be with this person. 
And then I want to say, so I was 16 years old, 16 to 21. I was with him maybe two years afterwards, after my daughter was born. And then I said, okay, no, we can't, I can't do this anymore. I have to move on. And I was able to move on after I said it's over, but I still was not healed. I, and you know, instead of pouring my, pouring my energy into healing, I kind of just kind of poured my, poured my energy into overachieving. I was in school to get my bachelor's. I worked full time. I'd come home and be with my daughter. When she went to bed, I'd go out and drink. I rarely had any rest and I rarely had any time to think for myself. So how did you turn all of that around? So all of that turned around. I want to say maybe my daughter was maybe I want to say 2004 was when she was a couple years older. She was about five years old. Again, I was still finding myself deeply depressed, drinking too much. The little bit of time I had, I was drinking when I was home. I wasn't present. So this is when I went to go see a psych. I went to therapy. Therapy made me open my eyes to the household, the psychological dynamics of this household that I was raised in. When you told your family that you were going to go to therapy, what was their initial reaction? Or did you tell them? I did not tell them I was going to therapy. No. Yeah. Because, because in our culture, Hispanic culture, it's like a no, no, you don't go and tell anybody or or business. Like it stays within the family, you know? Absolutely. And the crazy thing is when I, I had to first move out of the house. So I was living with them till after I had my daughter, I stayed with them and their toxic behaviors continued until I moved out. And then after that, when they moved down, I had them removed out of my system, not completely because I was still seeing them. Then that's when I went into therapy and I started seeing things a little differently. I started, the therapist recommended antidepressants at the time. Did you take them? I did for two months. This was a turning point because I took them for two months. And for one, I, I stopped feeling, I felt numb. And that, and that scared me. And I said, well, I don't feel anything. Like I feel numb physically. I don't feel well. And I said, you know what? I don't want to do this this way. There has to be another way. And that's when my healing journey began. That's when I started to do energy healing. I started to dive into spirituality and spiritual work and self-love. How did you find energy healing? Like, did someone recommend it to you? Like, how did you open up that door of of that way versus like, oh, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get into the Bible because, you know, as Hispanic culture, it's like, well, then just go to Jesus, you know, and and go to God and go to church, you know, but because I did that, you know, I tried to go the church way and I realized it's, it's still very a limited, you know, constricting kind of view rather than being actually more open and spiritually and looking for the self-love and all that. So, so how did you open up that door? That's a good question. So I opened up that door because I was already having my psychic dreams. Ooh. I <laughs> So I got my first pair of tarot cards when I was 12 years old. And and um, I always was drawn to weird things like the Ouija board. I want to say weird because, you know, as a 12-year-old playing the Ouija board by yourself, it's a little strange. <laughs> <laughs> I played with the Ouija board when I was 12. <laughs> I did it one time. And then once uh, we, me and my sister were at a park and we asked if there was anybody there. We were next to a restroom area. And you know how the bathroom above the bathroom, there was a light and we were, we were just talking on the Ouija board. We honestly didn't believe in it. We just were playing around. And then all of a sudden that we asked if there was anybody there and that light bulb just popped and we screamed and we ran. I think we left the Ouija board on the table at the park and we never went back. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that is funny and that does happen. Yeah, I, I completely, there's been some weird things that happen, but I always knew I had that gift. So I had that gift. I'd have dreams and my dreams would come true. And then, you know, until, you know, in my 20s, I said, I don't want to dream anymore because I, it's like, I see my boyfriend cheating, then it happens. I don't want to be a part of this. But when I just said, I made that declaration that I was not going to do, I was not going to take the pharmaceutical drugs. I was going to get fit and work on my self-love. I just literally allowed myself to be guided. I remembered, I've always remembered my gift and I, I started looking into it and I was drawn to a place close by. And from then on, the person was kind of like my spiritual mentor. She guided me, trained me. And then I just allowed myself, literally allowed myself to be guided in every different, every different experience that I had after that. And you found a lot of healing in that way? I did. I did from healing, from energy healing. It led me to coaching. And coaching was like the missing link because I stopped doing therapy. I started to do the energy healing, but the energy healing, I found myself getting more intuitive, talking more to God and God, like actually understanding. And I say God, the universe or spirit guides, it's all the same thing. We, we know that it's really, it's all the same thing, right? Like I found myself getting that, and my prayers being answered back and guiding me into the next step. And I would, al- and I would always tell myself, okay, so th- this is the way, this is the next step. And I trust it. Yeah, no, I didn't understand. Like, so I'll, I'll get into, uh, you know, I remember at that time I got into sales and marketing because that's where the money is at. I'm a single mom. I have to make a lot of money. So I would do, you know, I did what I had to do to get by, right? But I jump into these positions and I'd see, I'd see that they were not fulfilling and I would just not feel physically well. So literally, I remember saying this, this is another pivot. This is another important moment in my life where I was making the most I had ever made. I think I was like up to six figures. And that was a lot being a single mom coming from where I was coming from or whatnot. But they laid me off because three months before they laid me off, I declared I'm not going to work hard anymore because I started to get sick, physically sick. And then I just like that from one moment to another, I said, you know what, God, I trust you. I'm okay with leaving, walking away from this job. This is yet another part of my journey. And that's when I just completely let go of that. And I stepped into the healer role, the teacher role, the facilitator role, the coaching role. Yeah, that's amazing. Because honestly, we try to control all of our environments. We're trying to be like in control of everything. But honestly, when you do just kind of go with the flow of life and allow God to lead you or, you know, or like you said, the universe, spirit, the divine, because I, I, you know, I'm really into like that spiritual knowing. And I think that you can't really understand God until you experience God because it's a difference. You can go to church every Sunday. You can read the Bible every Sunday. You can be a part of women's ministry. But if you don't experience God and allow him to move you, her, or if you want, maybe it is a her, you know, <laughs> allow <laughs> the spirit to move you, then you're just kind of resisting. And with resisting, you really get nowhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? And you try to like fit like a square into a round hole and you're never going to go anywhere unless you allow and also ask for divine guidance. Like if you're asking for divine guidance, then, you know, the doors, the, you know, the opportunities, you know, all of a sudden people reach out to you that you're like, oh, wow, this is where I was supposed to go. But, you know, there are times, especially in my life, where I was asking for divine guidance and I thought I had gotten divine guidance and it was completely wrong. <laughs> 
I was completely wrong, you know, (laughs) you know, but so in your life, like, are there any spiritual teachers that you like look up to? Spiritual teachers that I look up to. And that's a good question. I've had many over time. So like Deepak Chopra was somebody I read for a long time. Esther Hicks, which is... Oh, I love him. From Abraham. Exactly. Well, she channels Abraham. That's another one. There's another one, Seth. That's another one. I Am Word is the name of the book that kind of opened my eyes to the connection between spirituality and religion. So there's been many over over the course of my journey. How does your family take it now? Like, what is, do you talk to them about your spiritual journey and are they open to it? Are they very religious? They are not very religious. And right now we don't have such a close connection and we are connected where, you know, we're, we're cordial. We, we, when we do spend time together, we make the best of it, but I've had to distance myself a lot because of, not that I was trying to change them, but them not respecting my journey and, you know, respecting me as a woman and as a mother. Yeah. And respecting your now ideals. Like these are your ideals. These are, these are your boundaries. And if they're not respecting that, you do have to distance yourself. And it's unfortunate because it is your family. So what do you do now? Now you're a, a coach, a professional coach? Yes. Coach and healer. Coach and healer. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what you've been doing? So I combined the two. I find it more effective. I always talk to women. A lot of people are drawn to me for just the healing aspect, but I always tell them there there has to, we have to integrate the work with the mind work because yes, we can work on your energy, what we don't see, right? You know, scientists are now starting to understand the concept of the energy body. I mean, they have for ages, but now it's becoming a bit more mainstream. But myself as a healer, I work through that energy. And in moving that energy and what happens with that energy, it brings trapped emotions to the surface. So it's similar to meditation. When you do meditation, you're doing that. You're kind of bringing up emotions that are suppressed. So as a healer, we do that as well. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Do you do that with like crystals or is it Reiki or... So it's a combination. So I, I initially I started with Reiki, but Reiki just didn't, for some reason, it wasn't my thing. But um, I, I went into this, I, I got trained for something that's called vortex healing, oh, Okay, which is not, it's not a very common modality and it is very powerful. But in addition to the, the vortex healing, which I feel like is very powerful, I also channel a, sh- a Native American shaman. Mm. So I... I don't know if it's me in a past life or it's someone from my past life, but I can actually visualize someone helping me and telling me and guiding me intuitively on what to do. Yeah. Kind of like Esther Hicks and Abraham Hicks. Exactly. But I I don't, sometimes I use crystals, not all the times, mostly my hands. My hands have healing powers. That's awesome. So how do people find you? Like, do they just like by word of mouth or? So majority of people find me through referrals, through word of mouth. Mm. But, you know, there are people that are, I'm, I'm actually setting the intention to be more active on the internet, which I'm actually working on. I'm because I'm so used to the in-person things. So I've been, you know, I was doing in-person workshops, word of mouth, and now it's like, okay, I want to expand my services, expand my help to others, especially in the, via the online space. Yeah. I actually got certified to be an emotion code healer and it's a book by Dr. Bradley Nelson. And I read his book and I was like, I want to know more about it. And I've been doing some emotion code healing by proxy, just by over the phone. And the people that I've helped, it's been such a like a wild journey for me because like, you know how you were saying you had these dreams, these vivid dreams. And I've always had vivid dreams. Like 
I mean, I can tell you every single detail about my dream to the point where it feels like I'm in an alternate universe. And then I wake up and I'm like, there's things that I'm just always, and I try to write down my dreams. I try to like figure out like, if there's some special meaning, because I I do believe there's so much more that we don't know. Like we really don't know because I think I went on this whole entire open spiritual journey when my dad died. Because I wanted to know, where did he go? He, You know, where did he go? Like, all of a sudden, he's gone. I need to know where he went. And so I just went down this, like, whole entire journey of, like, trying to figure it out outside of the whole just, like, he went to heaven. You know, okay, well, what is it like there? I want to know. <laughs> Has anybody been there and came back? So I started reading a lot of, like, near-death experience books and started really reading more about, like, the spiritual world and, like you said, shamans and healers and energy. And when I discovered this book and I did the whole practitioner license, like, and I've been doing it, it's it really is just, like, people try to, I can't explain it. It just works, you know, like where you're, where you're just healing these trapped emotions that you've had from your past and continue to trigger you in the future. It, it just works. Absolutely. And you're probably, you're a healer. You know, we don't just get drawn to this by accident. It's, it's, it means something. Yeah. I think everything means something. I mean, the fact that like, well, I found Magali on Facebook. I had posted something like, Hey, I'm looking for more guests. And she was attracted to me. I was attracted to her. And I really do believe in the the way the universe unfolds itself. It's these little steps where it's guiding you to where you're supposed to be. So maybe I am a healer. (laughs) I believe you are. (laughs) And I need to practice it more. (laughs) So as we wrap up this episode, um, what would be your nugget of wisdom that you'd like to leave with the listeners who are listening now? So my nugget of wisdom would be this. If you are on your healing journey, I would recommend to work on your energy. First and foremost, work on kind of clearing your energy and owning wherever you are in order to release resistance. When you release resistance, when your energy is clear, that's when your intuition is strong. That's when that light within you is shines brighter and your connection to your higher self is just like super clear. Yes. And when you when you talk about like releasing your energy and or clearing your energy, what kind of forms do you think they should be looking for? Like, because for me, like I, I did tuning forks, I did Reiki, I did yoga, I did meditation. Like, are there any other forms that I'm maybe not listing? So those are great forms. So that's, remember how I said, there's two parts to it. There's energy healing. I would say, look into energy management. Well, energy leadership is actually what I've been trained on. I call it conscious leadership, energy management, but it's basically understand where your energy falls, what level it falls under. And you're able to understand why the bring awareness to where you're at, why you're there, and then you get the opportunity to choose. Okay, do I want to be here or do I want to be somewhere else? If you don't want to be somewhere else, you own that. I tell everybody there's nothing wrong in feeling like a victim today, but just understand too much of that victim energy will make you physically sick. So you kind of like just allow yourself to sit there and just once you sit there and say okay with it, you're okay with it, then it's like your spirit's like, okay, you're fine. Let me tell you why you're here and let me show you how to get out of there. I think I just listened to a, a YouTube video with Wayne Dyer and he was saying, you know, the more you talk about this negative energy, the more you talk about like, let's say, oh, I'm broke or I don't have any money or I, I never make enough money. Well, then the universe is going to be like, your wish is my command. I'm going to continue showing you ways of how you're broke. I'm going to send you more bills. I'm going to send you, you know, your tire is going to pop on the freeway. Your water heater is going to go out. Like, but if you 
constantly focus on abundance and say in your you're thankful for everything that's going on in your life. Like I'm thankful for the food in my refrigerator. I'm thankful for the gas in my car. The universe is going to say, oh, you know, your wish is my command. I'm going to give you more abundance. So I really do believe in the energy you put out is the energy you get back. So if you're sitting in negative energy, guess what? More negative energy is going to show up. But if you sit in positive energy, more positive energy is going to show up. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, that's a part of it because remember, we can't we can we can trick our minds, but then there's that subconscious that's going to come up and you're going to still feel that resistance. So it's mm. it's like, you know, again, being okay. So just understanding where you're at and even if it is negative, owning that, understanding where it's coming from, bringing awareness to it and then understanding, okay, well what's causing this? Right. And then the more you do that, because we want to nurture that we want to nurture our ego. We want to be OK with that, because that that's a part of our past, which made us who we are today. So, you know, to say, oh, you have to be positive all the time. You know, reality is we're humans. Yes, you're not. <laughs> no, no. Right? So I tell people like, you know, when people come to me and say, oh, you have to think positive. I said, no, no, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you, be aware of what you're doing and be, be okay with it. Once you are okay with it, you're able to shift yourself out of it easier. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, okay. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. I, I could talk to Magali forever because <laughs> this is something that I would definitely talk about all the time. Thank you guys again for tuning in to another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. I'm your host, Paola Rosser. You can find the Fearless Female Movement on Facebook at the Fearless Female Movement. You can find me on Instagram at Fearless Female Podcast. Magali, how can my listeners find you? You guys can find me on Instagram at mlamadrid.co. Perfect. Are you on Facebook or no? I'm on Facebook, but I'm more active on Instagram. Okay. <laughs> All right. You can find her on Instagram. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Tune in next week for another episode of Journey of a Fearless Female. Goodbye. Goodbye.